0: Hi everyone welcome to this podcast my name is Brooke Patterson and today we're very lucky to be joined by Rachel Cowan and Professor Jill Cook. Rachel is a physiotherapist and is in the end stages of completing her PhD at the La Trobe University Sport and Exercise Medicine Research Centre. Her research area of interest is gluteal tendons and muscles. She's involved in projects in partnership with the Australian Ballet And Rachel is a sessional anatomist teaching anatomy to physiotherapy students, is trained in clinical pilates and offers pre-point assessments for dancers. Rachel is also a physiotherapist with the Australian women's national football teams. Her primary service is to the young Matildas. Today we will be discussing Rachel's recently published clinical trial evaluating the effect of menopausal hormone therapy and exercise, both in combination and in isolation, on tendon pain and function in postmenopausal women with greater trochanteric pain syndrome, or GTPS. We're also very fortunate to be joined by one of Rachel's supervisors, Professor Jill Cook, who needs no introduction and has made an enormous contribution to our understanding of tendinopathy assessment and management over the last 30 years. Welcome, Rachel and Jill.
1: Thanks, Brooke. Thanks for having us. Now,
0: before we get into the paper, let's set the scene. Uh, You have a 60-year-old postmenopausal woman with a three-month history of GTPS. What is the evidence for exercise and education for the management of GTPS?
1: So, research shows that any exercise is beneficial for managing postmenopausal women with GTPS. And more specifically, any strength-based exercise in combination with education about avoiding gluteal tendon compression And advice regarding load management gives a maximal benefit. And there's two existing RCTs that also show that any exercise with education is beneficial for this condition for postmenopausal women. And that's Ganderton et al. 2018 and Mellor et al. 2018. So both of these RCTs also showed that any exercise with education is beneficial for postmenopausal women with GTPS in the long run. And to date, there's actually no research that does um, do a direct education versus no education comparison. So that's certainly something that would be worthwhile doing in the future because results of our trial uh, plus the other two RCTs that I mentioned suggest that perhaps education is in fact more important than the strength component for managing um, GTPS.
0: Thanks, Rachel. So can you um, tell us a little bit the trial, um, the way you did it, and what were the four treatment
1: arms and why? So with the blinded two by two factorial randomised clinical trial, this enabled us to investigate two different intervention options, both in combination and in isolation. So we looked at two different exercise programs, a targeted gluteal tendon loading with kinetic chain strengthening and a sham exercise program. And we looked at two different transdermal cream groups. We had a menopausal hormone therapy transdermal cream and a placebo transdermal cream. So this resulted in four combined exercise and cream groups. So we had the targeted gluteal tendon exercise, which is a globe exercise with the hormone cream. Then we had the globe exercise with placebo cream. We had sham exercise with hormone cream and sham exercise with placebo cream. And each of the four groups received education about avoiding gluteal tendon compression and advice regarding load management. And this included advice on gradual return to activities that they they would like to get back to activities that they were doing prior to um, getting the, the condition. This randomized clinical trial was referred to as the GLOBE hip trial, and GLOBE stands for gluteal latrobe. So, our targeted gluteal tendon loading program with kinetic chain strengthening was referred to as the GLOBE program.
0: Thanks, Rachel. And just take us back to basics a little bit. Why the interest or rationale behind hormone therapy in GTPS and in this population of postmenopausal women?
1: Postmenopausal women are a population with reduced female sex hormones. And there's a number of papers out there that have investigated reduced estrogen levels with changes in tendons and other connective tissues. But looking at tendons specifically, there is evidence suggesting that reduced estrogen um, can have an adverse effect on tendons. And anything to add there, Jill?
2: Yeah, one of the reasons we chose GTPS was because of the really um, profound differences in prevalence between premenopausal. menopausal Postmenopausal women. We rarely see it in men, which we understand from Andrew Heron's work, but um, pre-menopausal women almost don't get this condition. So there's clearly something about menopause that uh, affects the gluteal tendons possibly more than any other tendon. The only other tendon with a little bit of evidence is uh, the Achilles tendon, where the rates of rupture after the age of 60, this is Nicola Mofoli's work, increased substantially, whereas in men they didn't. So it's clearly uh, menopause that has some effect, particularly on the uh, gluteal tendons, but possibly on the Achilles tendon as well.
0: Now, Rachel, can you tell us a little bit more detail about the two different exercise programs, the GLOBE and the SHAM?
1: Okay, the two exercise programs, so there was a targeted gluteal tendon with genetic chain strengthening program, and that was the GLOBE exercise program, and there was a SHAM exercise program, which was a global low load um, strength program. Each program had a gluteal quadriceps and calf component, and each program was a progressive four-stage program where participants could be progressed or regressed as clinically indicated. We also advised participants that they could perform an isometric um, gluteal exercise or hold at any time throughout the intervention period. And with the GLOBE program, that was in the form of a standing hip hitch, and with the SHAM program, that was a seated gluteal squeeze. And both <laughs> exercise programs were performed twice a day.
0: So, Rachel, can you summarise the main findings of your trial and what are some of the clinical implications?
1: The results of our trial showed that um, there was no significant difference between exercise groups and participants in both of those groups improved over time. However, there were some non-significant trends suggesting that the GLOBE exercise program continued to improve at a greater rate than the SHAM exercise program in the long term. So perhaps our intervention period wasn't long enough to detect these differences. And this has been shown with some existing research that perhaps tendon programs need longer than 12 months to allow time for the tendon to respond, sorry, 12 weeks for the tendon to respond. So this is potentially something we can look at in the future as well as extending the intervention period past 12 weeks when BMI was less than 25, menopausal hormone therapy with exercise and education was better than placebo with exercise and education. And this was shown by our primary outcome measure, the Visa G, and a number of secondary patient reported outcomes, such as the assessment quality of life, the Hoos quality of life and the Oxford hip HIP score. So clinically, what these results show us is that any exercise combined with education about avoiding gluteal tendon compression and advice regarding load management is a viable intervention option for postmenopausal women with GTPS. And when BMI is less than 25, menopausal hormone therapy with exercise and education may also be a viable intervention option. Um, But when BMI was greater than 25, menopausal hormone therapy was no better than placebo. So clinically, um, if you have a postmenopausal woman with GTPS whose BMI is less than 25, it may be worth referring to their GP or sports and exercise physician to consider menopausal hormone therapy as a potential um, intervention option for these women. So
0: summarising, basically, everyone... Got better with some exercise and education, and that for those with less than 25 BMI, the hormonal cream seemed to have an effect for those people with the lower BMI.
1: Correct, that's right.
0: And so, why, yeah, why do you think that is?
1: So, there appears to be a dose response where we see. Reduced effectiveness of the menopausal hormone therapy with increasing BMI. So this may be due to reduced absorption with the increasing BMI and hence the increased body adiposity. But there's also factors that may come into place, such as the adipocines and even mental health of those women with BMI greater than 25. So there's a number of other factors um, that, that we don't know um, whether they are uh, come into play, which we need to consider. But at this stage, it looks like there's a reduced absorption with increasing BMI, and that's something that we would like to look at in terms of future research.
0: And anything to add there, Jill? It's
2: it's important to note that the hormone replacement therapy in this trial was transdermal on the inside of the forearm. There are many other ways that you can apply HRT and perhaps... Uh, Other ways, uh, oral or, or vaginally, might actually benefit. The other important thing about HRT is there's many other versions of it. So we investigated one HRT therapy with one application. And so even though we found that it was effective at BMI less than 25, there may be other ways that we could use HRT and get an effect at different BMIs.
0: Yeah, thanks, Jill. And can you um either Jill or Rach, what what's in the cream? Tell us a little bit more about the hormonal replacement therapy.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And can I also add to what Jill was saying then? Um, Because that's right, what Jill's saying is that's only one way to administer the menopausal hormone therapy transdermally. And we chose this method because it was the safest and most effective method at the time of designing the trial. Um, We know that oral administration may have increased uptake greater absorption, but there are also greater risks with oral HRT, such as increased cardiovascular risks. So the transdermal application reduces those risks as it bypasses the liver. And more recent research actually suggests combined oral progesterone with transdermal estrogen may in fact be the optimal choice in terms of minimizing risks and also um increasing the uptake. And in terms of the menopausal hormone therapy that we used on the trial, it was the transdermal cream, which was a combined estrogen with synthetic progesterone. And the reason we used a combined estrogen with synthetic progesterone is the progesterone progesterone component is uterine protective. So if there's no progesterone component in the menopausal hormone therapy, women are not able to have a uterus in situ. So that's why we chose the combined estrogen and progesterone. Did you have anything
0: to add there, Jill? No,
2: yes and no. Um, Clinically, uh, it's very frustrating, I'm sure, for people to realise that the sham exercise program is as effective as an actual uh, loaded exercise program. And, of course, even though the results of this study suggest that education is absolutely critical, and we we all know that, um, I don't think we could realistically suggest that a sham exercise program would be the best thing clinically. This study showed that it was just as effective, but I would struggle clinically to suggest that we give these ladies a very low-load program.
0: Now that's good advice and I was interested in terms of whether in this study or the broader tendinopathy research, is there a dose response in terms of adherence to the exercise program?
2: There's very little on adherence in um, tendon research specifically. Uh, but the adherence in this study was really quite good in the high 80s to early 90s uh, but Older postmenopausal women are often more adherent to exercise. And, and going back to your original question about someone who's had it for three months, it's actually often undiagnosed for 18 months, the literature shows. So these women come in often very debilitated, very frustrated, very painful. So I think adherence might be better in this group than a lot of other, our, uh, uh, other of our tendon groups where if we're talking about, say, patella tendonopathy, we're talking about young jumping men, and that might be a whole different thing. But certainly in this trial, we had very good adherence, and I think in this group, we get very good adherence.
0: And certainly by my understanding of what was in the exercise program, it sounds like a lot of the things can be done at home with minimal equipment. So I think for this population of um, postmenopausal women, that's great um, for in terms of adherence as well.
2: Yeah, I think we don't need to load these ladies a lot. Often they come in, as I said, very painful and very dysfunctional. So they often don't need a lot of load to improve their function a lot. Uh, it would be a rare postmenopausal women where we'd have to consider you know, weights or gym. And that's um, a reflection of this particular tendinopathy, whereas in other tendinopathies, we might be considering a gym as an important part of the exercise program.
0: Rachel, can you share with the listeners a little bit more detail about the education component in the GLOBE trial?
1: In terms of the education, there was education about avoiding gluteal tendon compression in all activities of daily living and sport and exercise, but also advice regarding load management. So this was delivered at the start in the first physiotherapy appointment and physios were able to remind participants at each visit about avoiding gluteal tendon compression and then advice about gradually returning to their activities. And the appointments were delivered at baseline four weeks, eight, le- eight weeks, and 12 weeks. So at each of these time points, the participants were reminded about what they needed to avoid so they weren't irritating their tendon and what they could gradually return to. So help getting back into their activities.
0: Okay, so we've had some really good discussion about exercise, education, hormonal therapy, with this population of postmenopausal women with gluteal tendinopathy. Is there any other factors, so psychosocial or medical things that we should be considering in our assessment and treatment?
1: Yeah, gosh, lots to consider with postmenopausal women with this condition. So quite often there's psychosocial factors to consider. Um, So a lot of it will be, you know talking to the patient and understanding their condition and allowing them to feel like we understand that this is quite debilitating and we're here to help. And quite often with these patients, sim- the education is simply enough to get things kick started. If they can implement all these changes in their daily activities, this can start to make a difference. And then they start to feel a little bit better and like there is actually something wrong with them because quite often they've had this... Per- months, even years, and haven't had success with management. So health factors such as overall health, looking at hormone levels, um, there's, if there's women that have had a history of breast cancer, we can't consider menopausal hormone therapy as an option. So we need to purely focus on the education and exercise. And quite often in clinic, I see perimenopausal women come in with gluteal tendinopathy and other tendon issues as well, whether it be proximal hamstring or Achilles. So that's certainly something to consider in terms of the overall health, because they often complain of a number of different things happening to their body as they're becoming perimenopausal and entering menopause. So that's also something to consider and quite often it's multiple tendinopathies they're, they're trying to, to manage at the time as well. Um, Jill, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, no, I
2: think you've covered it off really well. You know, diabetes, high cholesterol, I
1: think you've covered it off really well. Remembering that
2: perimenopause, menopause often comes with issues of type 2 diabetes, obesity, metabolic syndrome. These things all impact on all tendinopathies, so we have to consider managing all of those in, in these ladies. And that come, becomes very difficult when they're trying to mar- manage their menopause, trying to manage their weight. You know, all of these things become very critical. The other thing that's really important in GTPS is deficiencies in the kinetic chain. So these women may have presented after knee replacement. So they haven't walked a lot because their knees has been very sore. They start walking better and more. And that then... Uh, initiates a gluteal tendinopathy. So really looking distally to the gluteal tendons is very important. And the GLOBE program actually was uh, the kinetic chain as well as the gluteal tendon loading program. But um, understanding this might be a consequence of another injury or, or, or a change in load is really important.
0: You where to from here in terms of gluteal tendinopathy research. So, Rach, I guess if you wanted to comment on yeah, the gluteal tendinopathy population and Jill, um, it'd be great to hear from you in terms of what you think the next big breakthroughs are for tendinopathy research.
1: Okay. Um, so in terms of gluteal tendinopathy specifically, there's a few um, questions that we'd like to answer in terms of results of our trial. So future research, it would be worthwhile looking at an alternative method of administration, such as that combined um, oral with transdermal application it would also be worthwhile looking at a longer intervention period, something that extends past 12 weeks so that we can see if those trends, the non-significant trends that we saw with the targeted gluteal tendon program with kinetic chain strengthening continuing to extend at a greater rate than sham program, be great to see um, what these differences are past 12 weeks. And the final thing in terms of gluteal tendonopathy, There's been no way to discriminate between education exercise, but results of our trial and the other two RCTs, Ganderton 2018 and Mellor 2018, um, suggest that education may in fact be more important than the exercise component. So we do know that this is really important and critical to management of this condition. So it'd be great to look at an education versus no education comparison. Just add add to that, um,
2: clearly we need a wait and see um, group. But obviously for this trial, we weren't able to do that. But if education by itself is really improving these ladies and it doesn't really matter which exercise group you're in, it may be just education and see what happens might actually be quite effective. Only from a perspective of other tendons, uh, the Achilles would be the other one that I think may be beneficial to look at HRT. This is uh, a group of women that we see with Achilles tendinopathy, older plank, older in nursing particularly, where they're changing direction a lot, walking up and down stairs. So active older women often have an Achilles tendon problem that can be resistant to treatment. So it'd be really good to look at HRT in that group as well. Uh, In terms of big breakthroughs in tendons, my goodness, um, I think we're very slowly making some inroads into the uh, prominence and the the absolute necessity for loading management so unloading early reloading as as the major intervention for tendons we're making some progress into waiting for tendons to get better instead of intervening injecting things expecting passive interventions to work so i think we've made good progress over the last 20 years with that from a perspective both clinically and research, it would be fabulous as the, um, there was a, a consensus statement that Ebony Rio ran to improve our diagnostic criteria far too often we are seeing the results of studies where imaging and palpation are our diagnostic criteria. And we know that both of those are not uh, suitable to diagnose a tendinopathy. So we're seeing research results that probably have a heterogeneous Uh, pain source in them and of course the outcomes become very uh, spread as well if you don't have all tendons in the actual group to start with you get very different outcomes so improving that improving our understanding of where imaging sits it would be the other thing this is Sean Docking's work we are over imaging many things in in medicine and, and in sports medicine and it would be really good to uh, improve the understanding of clinicians and patients of really what their imaging means and how little it means and how we can make good clinical decisions and get good clinical outcomes without relying on uh, a change in imaging or a diagnosis by imaging. So there's a lot of um, more undoing what our previous understandings have been about the so moving away from our sort of diagnostic criteria, our management strategies from earlier, and really developing new ideas and new ways of uh, managing tendinopathy. And I'd love to see that continue.
0: Thank you for that insight, Jill. And congratulations to you and Rachel and your wider research group on this fantastic study. Rachel, are you able to leave the listeners with three key takeaways?
1: So if you have a postmenopausal woman with GTPS, We know that any strength type exercise when combined with education about avoiding gluteal tendon compression and advice regarding load management will be beneficial for these women. And a targeted gluteal tendon loading with kinetic chain strengthening program may be more beneficial than a sham program, especially for those higher functioning women and particularly in the long run. And when the postmenopausal woman has BMI of less than 25, menopausal hormone therapy with exercise and education may be a viable intervention option. So it would be worth considering a referral to the medical practitioner to consider this.
0: Thank you very much for joining us today, Rachel and Jill. Jill, an extra special thank you for your massive contribution to the field of tendons. Uh, I'm sure you'll keep pottering away at things, and please don't be a stranger. To the listeners, we will have everything that Rachel and Jill referred to in the show notes. And thank you for listening, and we hope you have a physically active day.